Hello, beautiful soul family, and welcome to the Walk On Podcast, the podcast where I try to demystify spirituality, personal growth and healing, and whatever else I feel like talking about. I'm your host, Britt Cannon, and this week we're talking about, well, you gotta have faith. Mm, I gotta have faith. Well, you gotta have faith, the faith, the faith. Gotta have faith, the faith, the faith. Um... <laughs> This this episode, I'm recording late. I normally record a month in advance. But to be real, real honest with you, dear listener, um, last month when I had four episodes planned and then when I realized that there were five Mondays in November, I was a little annoyed. I was like, damn it, now I got to think of a whole nother episode. I'm so pissed. And just the idea of Thanksgiving, I was having a little bit of like senioritis of the year. You know what I mean? Like you get after Halloween and it's like, ah, oh, fuck. Can't I just have off till January 2nd? Like I'm overwork. I'm overworking. So <laughs> I had a little mini tantrum and I just recorded a 20 minute guided meditation. And that was going to be my episode for this week. And then last night, this is Sunday night after Thanksgiving, I'm just like tossing and turning and tossing and turning and thinking like, oh, is that enough? Should I just take December off? Like, what's going on? I can't decide. And I was just like so worried about it all night. And then I woke up this morning and I was thinking like, duh, Hanukkah just started. And while I am not Jewish, (laughs) my partner is, and I... I'm constantly just really touched by how um, meaningful and symbolic and deep the Jewish like holiday traditions are, and also how rooted in um, resistance they are. You know, resistance to the state, resistance to oppression. Um, being freed from slavery like all of the holidays tell some story of like attempted genocide on Jewish people or like enslavement of and liberation of and it's just really beautiful and we were talking about the story of Hanukkah and how you know basically it's like um Jewish people in what was called Judea um, were allowed to practice their faith like it was totally legal like this one Greek emperor was like yeah sure like do you and then that dude's son was like fuck that it's illegal now you can't do it anymore and they took over one of the prominent temples and like made it into something else constructed a statue of Zeus and was like we're going to sacrifice animals in here so Judah Maccabee Maccabean (laughs) um was like no hell no we're going to fight this shit and um this is my stoned history version of it sorry for the lack of eloquence but then um They fought back. It was like a huge revolt and got their temple back. And then we're going to light the, 
you know, the candles for the, you know, in the temple. And they only had enough oil for one night. And instead of it just burning for the one night, it burnt for eight until they could get some more olive oil to light this candelabra, which became the menorah. So, um, and that's the celebration. And, and because we're so Christian centric, you know, we think of like Hanukkah as just like Jewish Christmas, <laughs> but actually it's a pretty minor holiday in Judaism. Um, it isn't the big one, the way that Christmas is for Christians, but, um, I just think that's a really beautiful story of like overcoming oppression. Um, and I think it's really fucking cool that this religion over and over again is like, grounded in that in liberation in revolutionary politics and when we get especially in christianity this like you know they use the figure of jesus who was jewish to stifle you know like turn the other cheek forgive people like don't fight back peaceful resistance you know what i mean and it's just like yeah, but not even Jesus really practiced that shit. Like, he was a revolutionary, you know? And, um, I mean, like, let's not even get into the hypocrisy then of what Israel does to the Palestinian people. Um, white supremacy is a hell of a drug. We won't even get into that. But, like, let's just think about how liberation can be contagious, you know? Like, let's think about, like, merging um, spirituality and politics in a way that isn't oppressive or repressive, like, in a way that isn't made to guilt and shame people into adhering to the status quo, but instead is used as a reminder that we are infinite, you know, and that, like, no oppression or limitation should be allowed to constrict our infinite beingness, you know? And also just the power of faith and what a beautiful thing it can be in our lives. It doesn't have to be in contrast to science. It doesn't have to be in opposition to logic or reason it can be liberatory in and of itself. And as with all of these podcast episodes that I do, I'm just going to like wax poetic a little bit about how faith has played such a big role in my life. And, you know, as with all people who grew, who grow up, um, all queer people, especially who grow up burdened by the conservatism of Christianity as it exists today, I had many years of like, where I just kind of lived to be opposing that. Like I just kind of lived in this like late teens, early twenties, quasi individual rebellion where like, I just was an atheist. Like I just didn't believe in anything. I was content not to believe in anything, but it was, that was a tough time for me because I had been a person of faith as long as I can remember. Now how that faith manifested 
is a different story. Sometimes it was healthy, sometimes it was unhealthy. A lot of the Bible Belt Christianity really penetrated my consciousness and and did a lot of damage. Um, you know, a lot of judgment, a lot of shame, a lot of slut shaming, a lot of like sexuality shaming, a lot of internalized misogyny. Like the way that <laughs> the way that the capitalist um, conservative right has taken over Christianity, the way that it's become a, the way that it has always been, um, a weapon of white supremacy, you know, a colonizer's most lethal weapon, right, is just to like go into places where they have their own faith, their own belief, their own connection to the land, and tell them that's evil, and just indoctrinate, 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 just force and colonize and like, brainwash people into believing what what white people believed basically at the time Europeans you know um it's just I don't know the karmic energy persists through generations until like each generation is traumatized by the previous generation's faith some people don't ever even think to question it. You know, some people just go their whole lives hating themselves, thinking they're inherently bad, never healing, never being able to feel love or their own individual connection to source, which is so healing and so important. And that can be anything that resonates with you. Like, I think some people's connection to source is science. Like, the way that... I mean, this is true in my own life. The way that f paying attention to the natural world like makes me feel connected, makes me feel oneness, makes me feel ecstatic, makes me feel a belief in miracles, if only in the sense that like my physical body knows how to run itself. My physical body knows how to heal wounds. My physical body like ha is a complicated system of like <laughs> machinery you know electricity like what the fuck I was just like made from from the combined juices of two people grown in one's body birthed forth and then from that point on continued to grow and grow and grow and grow and my body just knew how to do that until I became this person like if that's not a miracle I don't know what is and then I will grow and grow and grow and grow until I shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink until I eventually leave this physical body and become one with the land if I'm allowed to my last wishes are to just walk into the woods lay down in a body a body lay down in a bed of moss and um and be allowed to decompose there that's probably illegal so who knows but don't put me in a box allow my body to become one with the earth whichever way i gotta go where i can become the earth that's what i want do not put me in a box box of bones Ugh. Ugh. don't burn me either i don't want to hurt the earth on the way out small rant aside um even just observing the natural world is like a kind of faith believing in science is is a faith right i mean some some of the most devout skeptics i've ever met are like obsessed with science 
obsessed with the fact, look at Carl Sagan, you know, obsessed with the fact that stardust lives in our bodies, that we have the universe inside of us in a physical, tangible way, right? So when I talk about faith, I'm not talking about just believing in miracles. I'm not talking about just a connection to what I call God. Um, I'm talking about like faith in whatever way resonates with you. As I mentioned in a past episode, quoting John Lennon, whatever gets you to the light is all right. Um, for some people, like their connection to source plays out through creating art and the alchemy of making art. I was listening to, um, there's this great podcast by Jim Perry called Euphemet. And on some of the episodes of the sister show, Night Drift, he interviews people. Well, Euphemet is like people telling their, um, their psycho-spiritual stories, um, tales of their encounters with the supernatural. And they cover all manner of topics. But they, he was interviewing this guy, Daniel Noah, who produces films for Spectre Vision with Elijah Wood. And he's just this very spiritual dude, and he's talking about how, like, you know that place you go to when you're creating art? Like, the um, the Disney movie that just came out about life purposes. I can't remember the name of it. Um, let's see if I can Google it here. Disney movie about life purpose. What is that called? <laughs> soul um in soul they talk about it as being like the zone right where you're like so present so ecstatically connectedly present that the art just flows out of you whether it's music or painting or writing like I or performing I have experienced the zone <laughs> in many different manners, in sex, you know, just like the, the ultimate presence, you know, zeroed in, totally focused, where nothing else is existing around you except what you're doing in that moment. And that is a meditation. That is connection to source. Um, there's so many ways to experience this. And if you're open to it, you can experience it in all the ways. Um... Sometimes when I really get on myself about not doing yoga or meditating enough, I used to do it for like hours a day. But it's funny. It's like the more um, productive I become, like the more work I do, the less time I have for, for that kind of spiritual practice. And I know that's a little bit an illusion. Like I know I could always make time, but I try to remind myself that like, Sitting down and doing this podcast is a meditation. Um, going for a walk and paying attention is a meditation. You know, having a really good, deep conversation with my partner is a meditation. So, you know, I there's many ways to do it. <laughs> and I think the less we pigeonhole it into looking like one thing, the more um, the more accessible it is to everyone. And that's really what you want. I saw this tweet about queerness. You know, I'm like, I'm 34. I'm a little old. I'm an, I'm a baby queer in, 
in the grand scheme of things, I only came out like maybe seven years ago, but um, came out the first time seven years ago, which is a, that's a late bloomer, you know, but, um, but I am older, right? And, and there is this like feeling of wanting to gatekeep, like there is this like preciousness of queerness. And there's also like, different levels of experiencing the oppression and the like judgment and the hatred of homophobic you know white supremacist capitalist heteropatriarchal bullshit depending on how visibly queer you are so like there is that feeling of like I have to live or I like because I don't have a choice or like because I and too visibly queer to avoid it. I deal with a different level of oppression than someone who does isn't as visibly queer. And like, so there is like a little bit of that that you have to like transcend. You know, it's important to like remain open and to remain that no one is really more queer than anyone else. And also, everyone is queer. And that's what the tweet said. It was like, if we if we don't gatekeep queerness, then everyone will be queer. And then the person's point was kind of like, exactly. Um, <laughs> if we just like open it up a little and let and and make it safe for everyone to explore their own queerness, their own gender, by making it less of a taboo thing, less of a, you know. Uh, you know, in some ways special, less of a precious thing. And, you know, the preciousness comes from the oppression, right? Like, if you have to do something in secret, if you can't do something safely, like, then there it becomes this thing that you want to protect and keep safe. And I think that's that impulse, right? But if we if we relax, if we open things up, if we don't feel the need to like so specifically define things or like fight against each other intercommunitively, intercommunicate, intercommunally, <laughs> um, then it just leaves so much more room for so many different manifestations of queerness and isn't that ultimately what you want because let's be real most people are queer um and that's a good thing you know <laughs> um tiny tangent but not really so let's not gatekeep spirituality or connection to source um because everyone's relationship to to what I call God is is just that it's their own relationship to God whether they want to see that as like a white dude in the sky um I mean I think that's a little limited but like if that works for them it works for them I like to think of mine more as a one-eyed giant nebulous um like esoteric blob monster in the ninth dimension who lives on a black planet on a planet of black onyx that's like how <laughs> that's how I see God and also as many I see every like faith's 
um, mythos, you know, like I feel to me, I feel like I am open to receiving information from any divine creature, from other human beings, from animals, from, from the ocean, from trees, from, you know, the ground, from the sky, from the, you know, the Chinese representative of the energy of the moon or <laughs> Mother Kundalini in, um, in, you know, Indian religions or, or like yogic traditions or Jesus Christ, you know, like I'm open to them all. I feel like they all have different vibrations and information to bestow upon me, but I really kind of rock out with the, with the interdimensional, um, like, like space creatures, you know, that's really what does it for me. And, um, what, how, that's not really, that's neither here nor there. Like I connect to them and that's all that matters. It's whatever resonates with you. And, um, I think that there's beauty in all of it. Um, I think a lot about, the, how the most profound, sometimes for me, the most profound people I've ever met are just people who think very deeply but don't feel the need to like quantify it. You know, like I always have said that my partner is one of the most spiritual people I've ever met. She sees, she has this like gorgeous capacity for forgiveness and unconditional love and seeing everyone else's perspective and she has this beautiful way with language and she's very eloquent and she's a gorgeous listener and just like so unconditionally loving much more so than me I am a lot more of a Scorpio energy <laughs> let's just say I'm much faster to call someone a bad person than she is she's like not judgmental at all and that's beautiful. But she doesn't like practice spirituality like I do, right? She's She doesn't feel the need to like call it that. And um, that's true with a lot of people in my life that I love. They're not necessarily what they would call spiritual, but they are um, very clear channels of divine information. It's just that they're open in their own way. And so when I talk about faith, I'm talking about, like, let's try to disconnect it from, from any kind of spiritual or mir miraculous um, connotations. But also, let's not. <laughs> so faith in my own life, as I was saying, like, all through my life, I've had this connection to source. I've talk to God every day. I've been, um, a really devout person of prayer. Like I, I love feeling like I'm not alone. I love having a conversation with something higher than myself. I love understanding and knowing that there's more to me than just this physical vessel. And so for those handful of years where I was really so angry and hurt by Christianity that I cut myself off from all religion, from all spirituality, from that connection to source, I no longer prayed. Um, 
I was sad. <laughs> I was sad and I was a little bit lost and I, I felt really hollow and really hopeless. And that those years were my lack of faith years. And I, that's when I was really losing myself to partying and like, and bad relationships and just running myself ragged. But that being said, I would still have these incredibly beautiful moments in nature. You know, when I was in college, um, in between classes, I would wander the campus and at Old Dominion University, I mean, Virginia is a very beautiful state in general, but Old Dominion University is in the middle of a city, but there's these little, just like spots, these little nature spots that are like too beautiful. To, <laughs> like someone really took their time making a little, a tiny little forest with a babbling brook and a wooden bridge over it. Just like these little places to sit that no one ever went to because you know, I don't know. They just don't need nature like that or something. I don't know. They were always secluded. It was just like my little spot of downtime. And so I would still have, you know, to what I call God, I don't want to offend anyone by using the word God, but that's just what it's three letters. It's easy to say. Um, and, and you know a little bit more what I mean than if I say source or spirit or whatever. And I think sometimes people just use those words to avoid using the word God or, you know, whatever. Call it what you want. Um, but that's what I call it. Um, or have come to call it. I didn't initially, but I do now. Although I use all of them interchangeably. Um, but God never closes a door, right? God is not... The universe is not judgmental. It's not punitive it's not even hierarchical it doesn't have that kind of judgment consciousness it just is and it's just a matter of choice whether or not you open to it or or not but it's never like oh how dare you how dare you close the door how dare you not be open to me how dare you deny I exist or like <laughs> there's just none of that it, I know it's hard to comprehend because we're so indoctrinated into punishment and judgment but that's really not the way that it's supposed to be that's really not the way that love consciousness works um the universe has no stake in the game it doesn't care whether or not you believe in it um it is a life force it is an energy that flows regardless of whether you are aware of it or not but the more aware of it you are the more you feel it the more bliss you're able to experience the more present you become and then the the better a representative of that universal consciousness you are in your day-to-day -day life um and that's it like the door is never closed so you can find this these pockets of bliss uh regardless <laughs> And that's really all that matters. You know, it's like I, I always think about when I went to therapy <clears throat> and my two goals really were I want to learn how to say no and I want to feel better. I'm tired of feeling like shit. I want to feel better. And it was as simple as that. And I was totally open to the process, how it would unfold, what it would do to me, what what the challenges were that I needed to sort of like rise up to meet you know I was open to do the work because I just wanted to feel better and I had faith that it was going to help me feel better 
Um, and that's sort of been my spiritual journey. That's where it started was just like, I want to feel better. So over the years, um, I sort of, I've talked about this many times in this, in past episodes of this podcast, like my spiritual journey, but I found, um, like witchcraft and, and meditation through witchcraft and just this belief that like, just this faith that you have as, as an individual, you have some say in what happens to you. I was, you know, when you grow up in a really traumatizing environment, when you just don't have a loving, supportive, or stable family, it instills in you this this knowing of the inherent unfairness of the world. You know, you see people with happy families, with loving, stable parents. You see people with money. You see how how different your circumstances are. You understand that, that some people just have so much more confidence and so much more ability than you do. You find yourself, you know there's a difference between you and everyone else. And and you you know that that difference makes life harder for you. And so you're set up already with this inferiority and this um, chip on your shoulder. You know what I mean? It's just, it makes you a little resentful. It makes you a little angry. It makes you understand your own victimization in a way that feels like a scarlet letter. You know, I used to always say, abusive relationship after abusive relationship like it's like I have a fucking target on my back why do these people always find me how do they know to come after me like how come some people never ever are in an abusive relationship and I only am in abusive relationships um and that was that scarlet letter like that was that I don't even know what to call it. Like there's no blame. It's, it's, it, when you don't experience anything but oppression, marginalization and abuse, you see the world that way. You're, you're hypervigilant. You're scared all the time. You, you're in a state of adrenal fatigue, which makes concentration harder. It makes, you know, whatever success means harder. It makes, just surviving day to day hard and this trauma wreaks havoc on your mental health on your physical health on your well-being on your confidence on your relationships and that there's no fault to be had there besides on the person who abused you who by the way who was probably abused <laughs> um because this shit perpetuates right um and it takes a lot of work to untangle that. And when I found just that little seed of a, of a belief, of a truth, whatever you want to call it, a philosophy that I have some say in the way that things play out. I, maybe I won't go so far as to say like you're, the, you're in control of your reality, you know? I don't know about that. I have definitely believed that, but, but I think that 
I think that that conflicts a little bit with surrender. I think that that conflicts a little bit with revolutionary politics, which is more important to me than like law of attraction spirituality. I just, I do think that we co-create our reality in many ways, but I also think that there is our big, big, powerful systems, which co-create much harder than us. And, and like, what's the word? impede um or like inflict their reality on us in a way that keeps us separate keeps us sad keeps us tired from overwork and um and that is the reality that we're dealing with and if you just try to live like outside of that like dissociated from that if you don't surrender to that reality then that's how you get a lot of these spiritual people who like don't believe it. I don't see color or like coexist. You know, they just don't deal with the reality of the situation and it stops them from being able to engage on a political level. You know, they think they're somehow higher vibrational for not engaging on that political level, even though all of the great spiritual leaders throughout history were political um and fought against oppression and so like let's think about that a little bit let's unpack that impulse to like i'm co-creating my reality by ignoring everyone else's struggle <laughs> and the part that my privilege plays in co-creating that reality but um all that being said i do i did really feel something open up inside me when I realized that I do have a say um I do have a choice that I am not solely what happens to me that how I respond to that um has some influence over how things play out and I don't know it was just huge for me it felt like a miracle blooming in my heart space <laughs> and in my in my solar plexus space too because I had a real issue with taking action because I was so bogged down by imposter syndrome and a lack of confidence and I was so involved with people who had so much to gain by keeping me small and um even even physically small you know which I think is so fascinating looking back like the relationships where I wasn't allowed to take up space I I couldn't even have room to take up physical space um because everything is everything how you do one thing is how you do all things and um so you know fast forward to me realizing the autonomy that I have in this reality and the the way that I can make choices the way that I can leave a relationship the way that I can leave a job the way that I can take baby steps every day towards the future that I want the way that I can have faith in myself in my own resilience because what have I done throughout my life what have I achieved if not um, like my own resilience. That is one thing I have full confidence in is that no matter what I go through, I will be okay. You know, <laughs> I pick myself up 
honey over and over and over and over again, no matter the hardest fucking circumstances. And I love the hell out of myself while I'm picking myself up. I have moments, you know, I have moments of deep sadness and grief. I have moments of intense suffering and frustration. I have moments, but after I feel those feelings, guess what? I stand right the fuck back up and carry on. And, um, and even just the faith in that resilience makes things easier. You know, when I, when my fears of abandonment rear their ugly head in my current relationship, I go through a checklist. Number one, I know that I am okay alone. I have no fears of being alone. I love being alone. I have loved being single. I have loved being celibate in moments. I have loved being single and slutty in moments. I have loved the freedom that that brings. You know, like I loved it so much that I was ready to do it forever. So like there's no fear in me of, there's fear of abandonment, but there's no fear of loneliness. So I think of that. I think of, um the way that I've learned to communicate and like discuss my insecurities with my partner. I've learned that I can trust my partner to be gentle with those insecurities. And so I can just convey them, get the reassurance I need, and then we carry on. I also know that my partner will do the same with me. And I know I have faith in the fact that that is the kind of work that emotional work is, and the vulnerability, the work at being vulnerable, the work of communication, that's what it takes to have a relationship last. I trust that my partner would never just abandon me, that if things were, if we had issues or if things were coming to an end, we would discuss those too. And I know, I trust, I have faith in both of us to be loving should that happen. So like I go through this list of like, of what, you know, discussing the facts with myself um, and, and tracing back where that fear of abandonment comes from. And I see it as totally illogical. It has no place here because once I look at the facts of the situation, I have faith in the facts. Um, I see that there's nothing to be afraid of other than just when I feel loved, I'm afraid of losing it. And that's valid. You know, I don't judge myself for having that fear. That fear will always be within me. When you're abandoned by your mother, your father, basically your entire family in one way or another, you know, you understand that that's some of the deepest pain a human being can go through. And, you know, this isn't just like physical abandonment or abandonment through addiction or whatever this can also be a parent dying like part of the grief is feeling abandoned no matter how irrational that might be it still exists right it still lives within you and even just not being loved the way you need is a kind of abandonment so we all carry these wounds in fact our parents carry these wounds and their parents carry those wounds and um and the only reason why we might be better off than they were or their parents were or their parents were is because we have more resources, you know? And um, thank goodness for that. 
but that's, you know, there's so much faith that goes on there. Like, and it's not all woo woo, mystical, spiritual faith. It's faith in the practical. It's faith in communication. Faith that if two people in a relationship are vulnerable with each other, if they care about each other, if they respect each other, if they want to solve whatever conflict is going on so that they can um, overcome it to foster even more closeness and safety and vulnerability, then it will be overcome. You know, that if no one is mean or petty or um, withholding or avoidant or whatever, things can be... I'm getting like the image of the six of swords in my head. You know, hard times can be smoothly navigated. It doesn't mean that yucky feelings won't come up. It doesn't mean that things won't be difficult. It just means that it's a lot smoother <laughs> than it would be if everyone wasn't so emotionally mature. Another way this has played out in my life, this faith, is... Um, I have had to start over a lot. Um, I haven't always made the most expeditious <laughs> choices. I oftentimes find myself going around my asshole to get to my elbow, right? I'm just like, sometimes I get stuck in a side quest. Sometimes I... Um, well, I'm just a late bloomer. I drove late. I dated late. My first kiss was late. Late-ish, you know? Um, later than a lot of my peers. I graduated college a little bit late. I came out late. Um, and I'm finding my footing in my career late. I... I am autistic, so I don't love, like, being in authority. I don't, like love working with other people in physical proximity. I don't love workplace drama. I'm just like, it really stresses me out and it makes me upset. And I have like shutdowns or I just experience burnout and quit. Um, so <laughs> it's a pretty tough thing for me to do. And because of that, I've just been like doing kind of like menial work, uh, just low pressure. When I can find it solitary work, I really enjoy that. And what that has done, like a consequence of that is that those jobs don't pay that much. So I haven't ever been financially stable except for when I was collecting unemployment from the pandemic. So, you know, a life of financial insecurity, let's say at times extremely so you know um there was a period of time where so i could afford food i was selling my blood plasma which if you've ever done that before big hug to you it's i'm hugging the air right now mm, big squeeze um it's tough <laughs> it's it it's not the best um feeling or experience but it's also not so bad you know i would go i would get you know my blood checked out they'd make sure I was okay um you get 45 minutes to just like sit and read which is what I would do the people are very nice who work at these plasma donation centers and you get a little bit of money for food for the week you know <laughs> not the greatest situation I found myself in but at the time it 
it served its purpose. Um, you know, I have been homeless and living in a squat house. And that was a really scary, sad time. But in both instances, I had faith. I had faith that it wouldn't always be that bad. I had faith that I was going to find my way out of it somehow. I eventually, um, you know, I would, an opportunity would present itself. Or in the case of homelessness, I had a GoFundMe and my loved ones who, who cared about me and cared about my well-being donated or someone just like give me food or give me a place to shower um give me a place to hang out that had air conditioning and a flushing toilet you know like um I had faith in being open I had faith in my own resilience as I was saying and like I also just optimism is faith in a way you know like just knowing that the hard times don't last forever like this too shall pass is such a such a mantra of mine because like it's just when you're really down in the mud <laughs> you're just like I don't know if I'm ever gonna feel good again like I'm I feel truly hopeless I feel truly lost I always have been annoyed at my own chronic optimism. Like when I'm in those really terrible moments, there's always a small thread, you know, a little voice, an angel on my shoulder that's like, it's going to be okay. And it, <laughs> it just keeps me holding on, you know? Sometimes I don't want to, but, and I get a little angry at it. And I'm also like, what are you, delusional? Things are terrible. How dare you have optimism? But how dare you have hope? How dare you have faith? But in the end, once I get through those moments, um, I'm really grateful. So just, and even right now, you know, here I am out of work again still trying to get this dog and pony show off the ground, still trying to like make my art my job, continuing on way after a lot of the people who I like went to college with who also wanted to be artists, like way past when they gave up. I'm just like the last delusional fool hanging on in many ways. And and, uh, you know, I wish sometimes that I would stop. I wish sometimes that I would do something more stable. I wish that I would, you know, there's many times where I'm like, should I give up? Is my stuff not growing because it's not good? You know, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Maybe I'm not cut out for it. Maybe everyone's watching me and just kind of like, huh. You know, there goes Brit doing their weirdo stuff. Like, I guess I'll give them a like once in a while. Just indulge them. <laughs> but there's also a like, if you build it, they will come. Like feeling that just persists in me and that, you know, lets me know that while this kind of self-help isn't the most marketable um or like 
lucrative thing in the world because I'm not a grifter. You know what I mean? I just like, I just want to give people the tools that I've gathered, learned the hard way. I just want to give it to people to make their way a little easier. There's no monetizing that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so whatever, whatever. Um, I just keep on keeping on. I'll take what, take what comes, you know, if work comes, I'll do it. If, um, whatever feels right is where I'll go. It's, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. I'm safe. And that's faith, um, faith in myself, faith in my path, you know, faith that this is another way that faith has played out in my life is through rejection and learning that rejection is protection, that professional rejection just means like, that's not mine to have right now. That's not for me. Maybe I'm not good for it. Maybe it's not good for me. Maybe I'm supposed to go a different direction. Romantic rejection is definitely protection. Um, Lord have mercy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that I didn't end up with the people I wanted to end up with at the time I wanted to end up with them because... Lordy, I was traumatized by having these people even like, like in my orbit. If I had gotten any closer to them, who knows what would have happened to me? You know, who knows what kind of monsters they were up close and personal. Um, thank goodness I didn't get close enough to find out. You know what I mean? Thank goodness I walked away when I did. Thank goodness they broke my heart. Um, thank goodness for the rejection. Similarly with, um, with friends, you know, like thank goodness for this falling out or this growing apart or this happening or that happening because it forced me to grow. Um, these were painful situations at the time, you know, a lot of triggers, a lot of fears, a lot of doubts, a lot of just like yucky stuff comes up when we're met with that kind of abandonment or rejection or failure or what have you and um but looking back I see that everything played out exactly the way it needed to to make me this person and you know I I find even this like profound gratitude for being bullied as a child, for like having experienced the abuse I did, having experienced being made fun of for my weight, for my intelligence, for my weirdness, for my autism especially. Um, and even for just being like traumatized. I just experienced a lot of like mean people doing what mean people do at me. And and there have been times in my life where I like cozied up to a bully in order to remain safe. And I do have a fond response. So, you know, that's prone to happen. But for the most part, it's kept me kind. It's kept me patient. It's kept me um, like it's really pushed me down a path of healing because I don't want to become someone who hurts people by being a hurt people, you know? <laughs> I I want to avoid that. And when I realize I'm I'm like wallowing in resentment at someone because of needs unexpressed, because of lack of communication, or because they're hurting me. 
And because I'm not removing myself, the resentment monster is just like growing and growing and growing and growing until I'm becoming someone I don't want to be, you know, until I'm becoming someone whose hurt spills out onto the people around them. Then I know that I need to unplug and that I need to engage in some healing and some self-care in some gentleness and um, so that that resentment can melt away. That's a big reason why I put so much distance between myself and people I love but who have hurt me really badly because if I stay too close, if they if they salt my wounds, you know, I have no choice but to get angry. I have no choice but to get resentful. I the res the resentment comes from like, why can't you love me the way I love you? Like, why can't you treat me with the kindness and the patience and the forgiveness and the compassion that I give to you when you're so much worse to be around than I <laughs> You know, like I I tiptoe, I act with care, I try to be kind, I try to be considerate. And when someone else is just like smashing all my boundaries down and just like being as mean as they care to be, um, yet they get mad at me for like not being a doormat or you know whatever. These situations are always like, just like riddled with double standards, right? So the resentment comes from a place that's like valid, but I always come to learn. Instead of sitting here feeling like shit, being stressed out, feeling my blood pressure just like through the roof, having flare-ups from being so stressed out all the time, feeling literally tense all over my body, how about I just stop, move on, put distance, and then what comes over me is love, is forgiveness, is being able to see things from their perspective and not just my own. I'm able to feel so much more gentleness and love and forgiveness and compassion and understanding. I'm able to be the person that I want to be with the distance. And so there's even a faith in that, you know, a faith in the path, a faith in the unfolding a faith in the guidance, a faith in my own emotions and my own healing. Um, just a faith that things are going the way that they are supposed to go for me. And that my life only gets hard when I resist the unfolding. You know, if I'm getting signals of like red flags and I just don't listen and don't listen and don't listen out of fear, out of like just the exhaustion of change, you know, just like, I don't want to go through that again. So many times when I've had to start over and I've talked to other people too, who have expressed this same kind of frustration, like, I don't want to start over again. I don't want to rebuild again. I'm so tired. I just want my life to stay the same forever. And not only is that like, illogical like you're gonna go through changes you're supposed to um even the like natural life ones like menopause or death you know <laughs> like it's happening baby um but it's also like that would be so unsatisfying you know if you're not changing you're not growing or if you're not growing you're not changing um and life gets so much more interesting with 
experience, you know, with um, variety, with <laughs> with growth. I mean, it's just supposed to become more and more beautiful. And you're supposed to get to know yourself more and more each day. You're supposed to explore yourself and and fall in love with yourself and fall in love with the experience and then become more open and loving to all that is through that process. And um, to me, really, that's what's at the heart of faith is just understanding that life is meant to be lived, um, that experience is meant to be had, that each day, if we work at it, we can love ourselves more, we can know ourselves better, and we can become um, like just become, <laughs> become a, a more clear representation of the universe, shine brighter, um, love better, and just, I don't know, be. <laughs> We can unpack the thinking mind which keeps us from just being and we can just be. And in that beingness is all the understanding that I've been talking about this whole time The is the truth that we do have some control over how things unfold. We do have choice in the matter. If you hate your job, if you absolutely hate going there every day, but you feel bound by the financial responsibility. That is a truth, you know, that is that is the reality of the situation. But it's not the whole story, right? There are little steps you can take. There are little moves you can make. There are small changes whether it's in your mentality, whether it's in the way you handle the job itself, or whether it's in just like looking for what else is out there taking a course here, getting a certification there, just like slowly setting up being self-employed. Like there's just like so many ways that you can go. And sometimes all it is is a mentality change. You know, sometimes it is like a way to, you know, if you can't be with the one you love, honey, love the one you're with. <laughs> like, um, an acceptance that frees up a lot of the resistance to what is, but also there's always a way out. If you feel, you know, financially, if you're financially abused by your abusive partner and you're totally dependent on them and you can't figure out a way to leave even though you really want to, there are still small time, you know, you can get like, you can make secret income, you can, um, there's probably someone who would help you if you really opened up to them about the situation. More people than you realize, probably. Um, there's just, there's always something you can do. There is always something you can do. There's always a way out. There's always something within your control. Even if it's just how you see the situation, even if it's just your own mentality, even if it's just the way that you speak to yourself and the way you perceive yourself. Like you can always be kinder. You can always be gentler. You can always be more loving. And to me, that's faith. It's just, I don't know, faith in the power of the individual. <laughs> faith in the power of 
the infiniteness of the soul. Faith in the truth that everyone deserves love, everyone deserves to be happy, everyone deserves fulfillment, everyone deserves to experience the beauty and the bliss of life, you know? Um, and that that bliss can exist in the simplest of moments, you know, a baby's laugh, a cuddle from your dog, a beautiful tree, you know, a sunset, your favorite song. <laughs> we can break it down to really, really simple. It doesn't have to be you know, a McMansion and seven cars and a mini yacht. It can just be a beautiful moment in an otherwise shitty day. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this resonated. Um, I am going to be taking off the week between Christmas and New Year's, so there won't be an episode that week. I'm just preparing you so you don't all stop listening just because I didn't post for a week. <laughs> um, so yeah, there will only be three episodes next week, one, next month, one, two, three. Yeah. Um, I'll be back after New Year's with a, an episode called New Year Hootis. Then we'll talk about New Year's resolutions. You can follow me on Instagram at walkon underscore pod or my personal account is Brit underscore that's underscore it. Twitter's the same thing but with a second underscore. You can check out my website BritCannon.me for merch. You can buy my book Flight of the Final Girl. It would make a great gift this season. You can schedule tarot readings, mentorships, astrology readings, voice lessons. You can book me to perform through there. You can also email questions, comments, concerns at walkonmychild at gmail.com. Um, you can also donate to this podcast to keep us going here at um, anchor.com, no, anchor.fm backslash Brit Cannon. Um, and that would be really nice as a Christmas gift to have a little income coming in from this show because it takes a lot of work. Um, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have had a beautiful Thanksgiving or what should we call that? A beautiful harvest season um, experience. I hope your family was kind to you. I hope you laughed a lot. And let's get through this fucking season. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Happy healing. Bye.